Showtime Sports presents Showtime Boxing with Eric Raskin and Kieran Mulvaney. Hello and welcome to Showtime Boxing with Raskin and Mulvaney with my co-host Eric Raskin. I am Kieran Mulvaney. Um, Eric, it has been, safe to say, a strange few days uh, between the last podcast and this. Um, and these strange times are surely only just beginning. Um, but I do have some good news. Uh, I am pleased to say... That boxing's power brokers are really stepping up to the plate. Um, we have no need to pay heed to the World Health Organization, to the CDC, to Dr. Anthony Fauci, because we have the World Boxing Council and its paragon of integrity, Mauricio Suleiman, uh, who tweeted on Friday that, uh, quote, I have spoken to so many experts and doctors about the virus, and the fact is that the world is reacting wrongly. Please educate yourself about it, and then you will understand that we must not panic and life can continue as usual with specific precautions. All right. Well, so in a subsequent tweet, he listed some of these precautions, Hmm. which included drinking tea, uh, taking vitamin C, exercising, not smoking, and then oddly listening to experts who are presumably the same experts who are causing the world to, quote, react wrongly. Um, (laughs) One of the things that he didn't put actually was the, and remember, this is the head of the World Boxing Council, did not put avoid large gatherings of people and major public and sporting events. I can only imagine that he just ran out of characters in his tweet. <laughs> right. That's the only reason why he didn't put that. Surely. So it, seems, it seems entirely coincidental that he wouldn't have mentioned that. Uh, exactly. Well, yeah, we're, we're, we're in good hands, aren't we? We are. We're fine. We I, like I, would, I would trust the WBC with anything. <laughs> Yeah, uh, whew. Uh, the, as as you were running down uh, everything he had to say, the whole thing felt like a real or onion kind of thing. <laughs> I, I was not sure if you were making some of those details up, but uh, last night, yeah, no, you said uh, you said it has been uh, strange times. Yeah, th- and this is this is going to be a strange episode of the podcast, uh, and it's certainly going to sound different since. This week, we are not recording in front of our usual live studio audience. <laughs> Essential staff only here at the podcast. You know, we, we all have to make sacrifices. This seems a reasonable one to make. Yeah, uh, I'm glad, though, that we decided not to deploy the canned laughter to just let it go without <laughs> right. any kind of, you know, fake other audience. than our, our own canned laughter, the <laughs> way true. that we sell each other's jokes. Does that count as canned laughter? <laughs> that's, uh, that's desperation, I think, really. Right. But there you go. Uh, so that that will remain. You know, I don't know who uh, who tweeted it, but in just the myriad of tweets that went flying past through my feed uh, over the last week or so, I saw one that said something to the effect of, isn't it weird how every single podcast is now a COVID-19 podcast? Yeah. Um, hey, guess what? Showtime Boxing with Raskin and Mulvaney is no exception. Um, we, it has, of course, the news been all COVID-19 all the time, uh, all week, at least since, since Wednesday night when it finally dawned on most Americans that uh, this is a serious situation. Uh, it's not just affecting them foreign people. Um, right. And we can't wish it away. Uh, we will actually be talking boxing on this podcast. We have actual fights that happen this weekend that we'll discuss. And we do have a little bit of outside the ring news to chat about. But uh, some things are indeed bigger than boxing. Uh, we will build our way up to talking about the intersection between coronavirus precautions and uh, the sweet science. But first, let's just, you know what? Let's just check in. Let's do a little health check here. Talk about the pandemic uh, and these precautions. And Eric, um, We've chatted a little bit off air, but how are you and your family doing? How is your 
mental and emotional state. Uh, is this impacting your life or your work at all? Uh, I'll start with the, the, the mental, emotional state. Uh, I, I guess I would say I'm freaked out, uh, but not freaking out. Uh, you know, mo- moments of panic, but generally keeping it together, trying to remind myself, you know, that life is, is going to be extremely challenging for a while, but we should come out okay on the other side if we're smart and disciplined. The, that's sort of the positive uh, affirmation I'm giving myself. Uh, w- work-wise, I'm definitely one of the lucky ones. Um, I work from home. I have for most of the last 15 years, so there's there's right. no adjustment there. My company is fully equipped for it, and my company's bottom line shouldn't be too terribly hurt by this. I do have a new office mate. Uh, my wife's company made the decision on Thursday for everyone to telecommute <laughs> starting this past Friday. So, you know, that's cramping my style a little. But, um, you yeah, know, I guess that leads right into the, uh, the how's my family doing part of the question where, again, I, I, I guess I'm lucky that my kids are the ages they are, uh, 13 and 10. Uh, I have two-year-old nieces in various parts of the country. I think it's going to be more challenging for my brothers with little kids not to go stir-crazy. My kids get it, more or less, as much as anyone Mm. can get it. Uh, They're self-sufficient. Now, once they finish binging Stranger Things, it'll get a little more challenging. (laughs) But, um, you know, I'm hopeful that the schools will attempt online learning starting in a couple of weeks, but I'm not Mm. sure about that. Um, I don't know. I mean, all, all four of us are going to get really sick of each other. But uh, if that's the worst that happens, uh, that, that's not so bad. How, how are you holding up? I, I know that, uh, like me, you're emotionally well-equipped for social distancing. <laughs> oh, dude, totally. Social distancing, self-isolation, working from home. My entire life has been a rehearsal for this. So um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Um, no, it's, it's kind of what's been interesting for me is... As, as you know, and as we frequently talked about on the podcast, I live in a small rural community and um, sort of tucked away in the northeast of, of, of the country. And and so in a way, you know, I see these scenes of, of, of you know, panicking and, and, and mass buying and people flooding supermarkets. And that doesn't happen here, right? It right. almost feels like we have a certain remove from it all. You know, like the zombie apocalypse movies often end with like the few survivors going to rural Vermont because Vermont's always the last redoubt and it sort of feels like that way but of course we're not immune to it anywhere any more than anyone else is um and as you and I were talking a little bit before we started recording I've been doing some fairly constant self-checks because I spent the week before last in Boston I'm working on a project with the New England Aquarium and I spent a lot of time at the aquarium um where of course there were lots of people um and the aquarium's now closed um but, you know, at the time I was there, I was probably in some kind of casual contact with a lot of folks. I shook plenty of hands. Um, and, and there's been a bit of an outbreak in Boston. And so yeah. I'm like, I do not want to be the patient zero who infects my little my little <laughs> right. village because I'm the one who entered the big bad city. So, uh, so far, asymptomatic. And it's been, whatever, 10 days or so since I was there. So, but And the other thing, I guess, you know, you really think about and perhaps... I'm not saying that you would only think about it in a small community like ours, but it's perhaps more self-evident. I mean, literally every single one of our businesses is on one street, right? The two bars, the one diner, the one pizza place, the, the shops, they're all on one street. And you're really like, when you know everybody who works there or runs the business, you're really mindful of the potential economic impact as well, right? And, and it's sort of on the one hand, you want to self, you know self-isolate, but on the other hand, you think of your friend 
who runs the bar and is standing behind the bar with nobody there and wondering how they're going to be able to pay everybody. And, and it's an interest. It's, I think a lot of places are going to have those kind of dueling challenges to kind of deal with uh, in the coming weeks and months. eh? Yeah, that's, that, that is a tricky one that, you know, like I said, my job, my industry should be relatively okay, but we're, I, I'm in the minority. I mean, and, and, stuff like that, like restaurants and bars. Not that I frequent bars, but I do frequent restaurants. And Mm -hmm. uh, I I have thought about, you know, should I be even getting takeout that's been handled by other people? Um, Yeah, I'm not quite sure where to draw the line until uh, various governances say all restaurants must be closed and they draw the line for you. Yeah, it's... it's, uh, it's it's hard to know exactly what to do, uh, and and you kind of want to help those who are going to be more financially hit by this. But I'm not sure how to, and you know, I'm not I'm not the billionaire who can like really help right. those people. Um, right. So I don't. Know, I mean, somewhat like you, I'm I'm not someone who needs a ton of social interaction to feel complete. Uh, I don't I don't <laughs> crave that. So, uh, you know, I, I like going to restaurants with a couple of friends, but uh, that's that's about the extent of how much I enjoy socializing. I I hate starting conversations with strangers. I hate small talk. <laughs> I have no desire to meet anyone new. I've, I've met all the people I really need to meet at this point, I feel like. <laughs> um, so so, yeah, all of that stuff. I think I'm less affected than most, but you know, I'm also in my 40s. Uh, had this been when I was in my late teens, early 20s, it would be harder. And you see these scenes of these assholes going out to crowded bars uh, because yeah. they assume that the virus won't make them sick, and uh, it gets you it gets you pretty enraged. Um, you know, and I'm I'm definitely concerned about my parents and my in-laws. Uh, my dad specifically is in a senior facility under managed care, assisted living, whatever you want to call it. And I don't want to think about what happens if the virus gets in there. Um, For now, they've fully closed it off to to visitors. It's residents and staff only. Um, But, you know, his quality of life was not A plus anyway. And now his wife and his kids and his grandkids can't see him for a while. Good thing for for phones and FaceTime. But but this is going to be tough on him. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I think the... If there's sort of an, an abiding message, it's think of others, think of the yep. older, more vulnerable people in your lives, yep. and just uh, don't be a stupid asshole. Yeah, basically. <laughs> even even if that, you know, it would be nice to think we could uh, that we just have a couple of weeks of not being a stupid asshole. Uh, <laughs> it, that's unlikely, though. It's, you know, we're probably looking at, at a couple of months of trying to be smart and disciplined, at least, and however long it has to be, just... Uh, I, I hope everyone can get on the same page. Yep, amen to that. All right, uh, let's talk about the, the boxing implications. Uh, one televised boxing card went ahead in America this weekend, uh, Friday's Showbox show in Hinkley, Minnesota. Uh, we will have plenty to say about that shortly. Everything else was postponed or canceled. Uh, we'd already seen cards in Asia and in Italy scrapped in recent weeks. And starting Thursday, promoters in the U.S. started calling off events. Some minor cards got canceled first. Then Top Rank announced that its two televised cards coming up in New York would take place in empty arenas. Then Golden Boy canceled uh, March 19th and 28th shows in California because the state declared all combat sports events canceled. Then Saturday's FS1 card, headlined by James Kirkland, was postponed. 
Then New York doubled back and called off those two top-ranked cards. And the last major domino to fall before we sat down to record this podcast was that next weekend's Myris Bredas Junior Dorticos WBSS Cruiserweight Final in Latvia was postponed, ensuring that we will not be previewing anything on this week's podcast. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. As of now, some cards for the following weekend are still technically on, but Look, there's no NBA, no NHL, no NCAA sports, no XFL, no Premier League. We have to brace ourselves for the high likelihood of no boxing for a month, maybe two months, maybe more, maybe much more. Uh, Kieran, is is anything about the way the last couple of days in boxing unfolded surprising you? Um, you know, I, I haven't sensed many people in the boxing community, whining and losing perspective. It seems people are handling the bad news with relative maturity and decency. Is that what you're seeing as well? So far. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess that in terms of boxing, just it, you know, the disruption has sort of been minimal, right? It, it's, I mean, no offense to Shakur Stevenson or Mickey Conlon or James Kirkland, but, you know, we haven't seen the cancellation or postponement of a major announced right. fight. Right. I mean, if this had happened, if Fury Wilder 2 were, were scheduled for next weekend yep. um, and, and this had happened, uh, then perhaps the reaction might have been uh, a, a bit different. It, it's been interesting, as you know, I'm a big Premier League fan and and the reaction there among fans and indeed some commentators and people observe, um, associated with some uh, uh, teams has been kind of interesting. You know, um, you know, so some of whom are calling for, for example, the season to just end, be voided completely. And partly that's because their team is in danger in, in British sports, for as American uh-huh. listeners might not understand, teams can go down a division, right? right. Um, so uh, somebody whose team is presently uh, in grave danger of being relegated said, oh, I think we should just void the season. And basically Liverpool are destined to win the title for the first time in 30 years. And so fans of a lot of other teams want it to be voided just to make it at least 31 years for Liverpool to wait. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. We will see what happens as time goes on. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see, well, we'll see what happens, you know, with the virus, obviously. And right. I imagine that the maturity and, and patience of boxing fans will somewhat mirror that of society at large. I think that if this, continues to be as bad as it could well be i think we'll continue to have understanding um and and people will hopefully have a good perspective if it's beginning to look as if the virus's impacts are at the lowest end of projections then there might be tolerance initially and then people will start getting impatient again um a little bit i suspect so um we'll we'll see i think what surprises i guess if anything has surprised me it's the rapidity um of of how things have changed over the last couple of days as you spelled out you know first you know the fights were going to be in empty arenas and then they were off altogether you know within the space of hours really basically i think right um the pace of change is really interesting it feels as if we're 
you know, sort of catching up rapidly to the place where other countries have gotten to um, without necessarily getting all that way yet. Yeah, uh, no, the the pace of change has been alarming. Uh, but I guess that's the way it goes with these sort of things. But yeah, I mean, every, everyone is pointing to Wednesday night as the night where several big things happened all in succession, the NBA, the game getting canceled, the season getting canceled, Tom Hanks uh, and and uh, Trump's speech kind of all happening, happening right. around the same time. And that's kind of when we woke up to the the precautions we're current we were taking up to that point were not nearly enough um so yeah i mean i i had the same thought as you uh about uh, fury wilder too that was the one that came to mind that uh boy it, w- it would have been a different reaction if we were yeah. on the eve of that and promoters were scrambling to save it and we were trying to decide what the right thing to do was and it got canceled uh how fans would have handled that because you know i saw march madness fans their reaction uh, mm. was just much more selfish <laughs> and oh, okay. and I mean not like not over the top a lot of people were totally understanding but there was definitely some degree of oh come on you got to find a way you got to play these games I need March Madness it, it'll get me through this uh, and, and all that that uh, boxing fans w- were spared the opportunity to sort of make fools of themselves because we weren't missing out on some major immediate fight mm. Mm. Um, as you noted uh, one show did go on um, and it was our home network, uh, Showtime, televising a four-fight showbox card on Friday, which was attended only by the broadcast crew, the officials, the corner people, fighters, immediate family members. Um, I did see a tweet from you, which you sort of indicated a degree of mixed feelings or uncertain feelings about that decision to go ahead with the fight, even behind closed doors. Uh, now it's complete. How do you feel about it? Feelings are still mixed. Um, I, I was glad to have some boxing to take my mind off things. Yeah. Uh, and I'm happy to have some boxing to talk about today. It makes podcasting <laughs> about boxing a lot easier. Um, but was it worth it to have this relatively minor show go on? Would it have been worth it even if it was a major show? I don't know. My general feeling right now on dealing with coronavirus uh, if people haven't picked up on this already is that it's better to overreact than to underreact mm-hmm. uh you know if we wake up in a few months regretting that man i could have enjoyed a few more meals at restaurants it wouldn't have made a difference great i'm okay with those regrets um so i don't know uh we we can't really know if this was a bad idea or not without yeah. testing and there's an obvious shortage of testing if we could test every fighter on that card, every referee, every trainer, everyone who needed to touch another person, and they all come back negative, then I guess I'd feel better about it. Uh, if one person came back positive, then this was kind of a disaster. We won't know, probably. If everything was okay and we're able to test everyone on other fight cards going forward, you know, test them maybe a week out and again a day out and get quick results. I guess you could make a case that this established a precedent for how boxing cards in empty arenas could go on, but that's probably overly Mm. optimistic and foolish. Um, I will just say that the empty arena factor wasn't that weird. You you quickly got used to it. Um, When the Showtime graphics and sound went out for most of the first (laughs) round, that made it extra surreal. But, but after that, it was a fairly normal night of boxing. There was just enough crowd reaction to big moments that, I think you could say that aspect of it was just fine. Yeah. Yeah, I um I was and am similarly ambivalent about it. Um you know the one thing that um 
struck me watching it and when you know the things you become much more aware of or sensitive to is there was not a great deal of social distancing going on the people were crammed together right sitting there ringside and it was so i just couldn't help but look at that thinking god move away from each other for god's sake um, right. the, the, the six feet rule was not being followed it was not it was not um you know and of course it's not just you know obviously there, there was no crowd but it's not just the people who are there it's the traveling to get there and, and what that exposes people to right. i mean it's difficult right i mean you and i we're, we're freelancers we understand the pressures of a freelance life um and boxers are the ultimate freelancers in sport right you kind of they don't get paid if they don't fight um and you kind of you you, as we were talking about, you know, having sympathy for the economic impacts of people, and the same with the crew who are, who work on the broadcast, they're they're freelancers. Um, and actually, to sort of pick up on 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 something that you said, I guess we kind of need to give people a reason to stay home on a Friday night, right? <laughs> on a Saturday night, maybe that's a beneficial thing. I don't know, but um, I don't know. I'm not. A, I have a s- suspicion that might be the last one for a while. Uh, um, the Showtime March 28th card. Um, schedule for Las Vegas, Nevada has suspended all uh, fights uh, until its March 25th commission meeting, and one can't imagine that they will not then extend that suspension. So I, I don't know. And and I'm beginning. It's funny. I go from day to day. I kind of change a little bit. Or today, I find myself thinking. I, I have friends in Italy, and I've been talking to them about the situation there. I just can't help but feel that. Um, we're going to end up in that situation sooner rather than later. And, um, Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's, uh, oh, well, uh, at least, at least you're in rural Vermont. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) The last redoubt against the zombie apocalypse. Yes. As always. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Um, all right, let's 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 shift a bit here uh, yep. and, and talk about the fights themselves. Um, we poo pooed the likely lack of competitiveness on this card last week, uh, or at least we thought three of the four fights didn't look very competitive. But as it turned out, we, we got a really good showbox yeah. card with three competitive fights, uh, a couple of which were quite entertaining. The only fight that wasn't competitive was the main event, Brandon Lee versus Camilo Prieto. But it was just competitive enough for me. <laughs> in our picks competition, uh, I took Lee by KO in the third. You took Lee by KO in the second. And with 26 seconds remaining in the third round, referee Mark Nelson stopped the fight, pulling me almost back to even with you as I got uh, five points and you got two. So it's now 24-23 in your favor. If not for the coronavirus, I would be throwing a party with 500 of my closest friends to celebrate. You don't have 500 <laughs> close friends. Yeah, my wife does. <laughs> I'd invite some of her friends. No, I'm, I'm at the point in my life where my friends are husbands of my wife's friends. That's, that's <laughs> what I got. Anyway, um, Lee moves to 19-0 and with 17 knockouts, uh, and he had to go past round two for the first time in 10 fights. Kieran, how impressed were you with Brandon Lee, uh, and did we learn anything about him from this? Um, has actually, first of all, has have either of us actually nailed the, like the the KO predictions? 
I think that, I got one last year. I did think you? I did. I'd have to look it up, but I believe yeah. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. Michael Woods, uh, writing for the Bad Left Hook blog, uh, asked Lee post-fight whether it felt different fighting in front of an empty arena, and he said, uh, "Yeah, with more crowd noise, his, his adrenaline would have been pumping more, and he likely would have gotten the win in the second round." So I am blaming all of this on the <laughs> yes. coronavirus. There uh, you go. <laughs> Listen, I was factoring it in when I made my prediction. I, I, I was a Brilliant. step ahead. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, no, I, I was impressed with Lee in the sense that I continue to be impressed with Lee. Uh, I like what I see when I see him fight. Um, uh, look, he hurt Prieto every time he touched him with that right hand, it seemed. But, you know, I, I guess one of the things you, you want to see in a young prospect with massive KO power is you want to see, you know, does he have patience? Is he prepared to box and not like empty all his chambers all at once? And um, it, it almost felt watching him, you could almost feel him trying not to get him out of there immediately, right? It was just me. I just felt like there were times where he hurt him and then he stepped back. He's like, nope, nope, nope. Uh, But, you know, in the event, he could only hold back so long. And there just came a point where it was pretty obvious that Fredo was ready to go. And once, you know, once he'd sort of gotten past that high guard, he, he, you know, he went for it. Um, uh, Good job by Mark Nelson stopping it when he did, because it it was just not a competitive fight. Um, Fredo was every bit as overmatched as we feared going in. but as a consequence, so yes, I was impressed with Lee, but I'm not necessarily any more or any less impressed with him than I was before Friday night. Um, right. Because, yeah, to answer your other question, uh, I agree with what Steve Farr had said, uh, which is that we didn't learn anything about him, I think, that we didn't already know. Um, you know, we said last week that Lee, even at 20, is is more than ready to step up his competition. Uh, as we feared in our preview, uh, Prieto was not the step up that he needs or, or he should be looking for. Uh, I mean, the eye test to me says that Lee is a real talent. And, yep. and obviously, you don't want to rush the kid, but it does. he needs to be fighting someone who can at least start taking him some serious rounds, I think. Yeah, and w- one of the more remarkable CompuBox stats we've seen recently was that Prieto went 0 for 23 on punches yeah. in round one, which again, yeah. it's like... Is Lee's defense that good, or was Prieto right. just that bad of an opponent? Right, and he went over on his power punches in round two as well, I think. So that's just woof. Anyway, um, the co-feature was the second least competitive fight on the card, but it's still fairly competitive. Uh, a, a welterweight bout in which Flavio Rodriguez was making Brian Norman Jr. work for the victory until a really nasty head clash ended the fight 57 seconds into the seventh round rodriguez with a nasty gash above his right eye um the judges scored the partial seventh round and norman who is now 17 and 0 with 14 ko's was up 69 64 and 68 65 twice uh eric what did you think of norman and uh do you think the result might have been a bit different if rodriguez had had five more minutes to work with yeah, I highly doubt it. Uh, all, all credit to Rodriguez. He's a, a solid fighter. He came to win, but I didn't see any indication that he had a one-punch turnaround in him. Norman was just a half step ahead most of the way. Um, he, he's absolutely a, a good prospect. He, he doesn't jump off the screen as much as Brandon Lee. Um, you know, Lee, Lee feels like a potential stud. Norman Moore is in that, you know, this guy should be pretty good range. That's, that's what I, what I feel like when I'm, when I'm looking at him, you know, solid skills, athleticism, able to deal with a little pressure. Uh, we, we saw some here. He handled it well. He didn't get rattled. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I want to see more of him. Tough to to know if he's really a, a top prospect based on what we saw here. Um, meanwhile, uh, whenever we see a familiar face in someone's corner, uh, like an ex fighter that we haven't seen in a while or something, you know, we'll we'll often say, "Good to see so and so working the corner." 
Well, it was very much not good to see Javier Capetillo in Rodriguez's corner. Uh, Capetillo, boxing fans will recall, was Antonio Margarito's trainer responsible for wrapping his hands. So, uh, yeah, that guy's still working. Yeah. <sighs> Sigh. Uh, in the uh, second fight of the evening, uh, lightweight Alejandro Porkchop Guerrero had some <laughs> shaky moments early against Jose Angulo, but we do not have to stick a fork in the pork chop as he did prevail via eight round decision to move to 12 and 0 with nine KOs. Porkchop talked beforehand about his love for the Gaddy Ward trilogy, so naturally he's now one of my favorite prospects. Uh, and he staged some Gaddy like rallies in rounds six, seven, and eight to pull even on Steve Farhood's scorecard and on one judge's card at the end of it. Uh, turns out no rally was really needed, though, as the other two judges turned in wide cards of 78-74 and 79-73 for Guerrero. Kieran, what did you think of those cards, and how fun was this scrap? I uh, I thought two of those scorecards were baffling. Yeah. Um, I had the score the same as Steve Farhood. I gave each guy the same rounds as, as did Steve. And granted, you have to acknowledge, however much you think you're not, you are influenced when you watch a fight on TV. It is yes. different from being ringside. It's a different experience. You hear the commentators. You hear the narrative that they're building up. Even so, I could I could see a scenario in which actually either guy just about won 77-75, just about. But... I just don't see wider than that at all. Um, and also, you know, in as you said, you know, Guerrero sort of staged a rally in six, seven, and eight. But he probably lost about two minutes and possibly two minutes of thirty seconds of both rounds six and seven. Actually, I thought right um, <laughs> and, until until he staged that that rally there. Um, I thought it was a good fight. It was an entertaining fight. It was it was two boxes with very different styles, each attempting to impose a style on the other. Um, some nice momentum swings. Um, you know, and even though I have a very hard time seeing how either man won seven of those rounds, most of them were all reasonably close. Even though I thought each round had a reasonably clear winner, there was not many rounds with blowouts. Um, although Guerrero was definitely the A-side coming in, I actually I thought Angulo was the guy with the better form and style, actually. Um, yeah. You know, Guerrero looked a bit wild and amateurish at times with some of those lunges. Uh, sometimes it worked for him. Sometimes he was throwing punch from too far out, I thought. Um, I'd be quite happy to see see either or, or both of them actually on Showbox again. And I, and I uh, feel a bit bad about being so dismissive of, of both the co-main and this one. <laughs> uh, because, like you said, they were pretty good fights. Yeah, no, the, the matchmaking was not bad at all. Uh, I, I had it the same score as you, 76-76. But I will add that... You could make a case for a 10-8 round for Guerrero in the eighth when Angulo mm. was really close to going down several mm. times and just uh, his whole effort in the final minute, minute and a half was to somehow stay on his feet. So based on that, I kind of had the feeling of if anyone deserved to win, mm. it was probably Guerrero, but I, I did score to draw like you did. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! I am finally the opening bow. We said last week we thought it would be the most competitive fight on the card, and I think we both leaned a little bit to Aramavagian over Mm. Dago Aguero. Um, Early on, it looked as if both those predictions would be horribly, horribly wrong, as Aguero uh, floored Avagian hard with right hands in both the first and second round before Avagian rallied to stay unbeaten at 10-0-1 with four KOs and handed Aguero his first loss. He's now 
15 and 1 with 10 KOs. After those first two rounds, uh, the Armenian won five of the remaining six rounds on one card and all six on the other two, giving him a majority win, a decision win by scores of 75-75, 76-74, and a peculiar 77-74, which scored one of the early rounds 10-9 despite the knockdown. The judge who did that is named Elijah Staples, and he's also the guy who scored Guerrero Angulo 79-73. So... uh, he, I would normally say he's one of those judges we need to keep a serious eye on, although uh, in his entire pro-judging career, which has not been very lengthy, has been spent in the Grand Casino in Hinkley, Minnesota. Mm. So I'm not sure that we're likely to encounter him too many times, but we'll put him on the list nonetheless. Yes. Um, how did you score that, Eric? And uh, how surprised were you to see Avagian dig out of what should have been a 2016 <laughs> hole? Oh, uh, yeah, very surprised, especially because he was clearly hurt on both knockdowns. They, these yeah. weren't flash knockdowns. His legs were shaky, especially after the second one. So to get through that and then start winning rounds, it's not like he came back and scored a one-punch knockout to win. He did the more mathematically difficult thing, which was win enough rounds to prevail in an eight-rounder after falling behind by yep. four points. Um, it's funny. I, I thought about betting on this fight. Because, you know, what other sports did I have to bet on on Friday? And, uh, you know, the other fights on this card didn't look competitive, so I wasn't interested in betting on them. So I considered taking underdog Aguero at plus 175. Uh, Ended up uh, not quite thinking there was enough value there, so I didn't make a bet. And I'm glad I didn't because... I would have been counting my money early on, uh, only to end up very disappointed. But uh, anyway, you, you asked uh, how I scored it. I had it 75-75. I gave one of the last six rounds to Aguero, and uh, like any functioning human should have, I scored <laughs> each of the first two rounds 10-8. Uh, all right, let's name our stars of the show. I'm up first, and uh, not much segue needed. My star of the show is the guy I was just talking about, Aram Avagian, who staged that tremendous comeback. Uh, Yeah, Brandon Lee was the best prospect on this card, but he was in soft. Uh, Avagian was not, and to rally back the way he did after those knockdowns, I think this is a fairly easy choice, actually. I figure Brandon Lee will have other opportunities to be the star of the show. Avagian is kind of a middling prospect he might not have other opportunities so for me he earned this one yeah i agree with you i'm picking him too uh, i was briefly tempted to pick brandon lee because you know he did what he was supposed to do but then he just did what he was supposed to do um yeah. you know and Prado offered so little op- opposition um i liked avagian's poise i, I mean like you said, he was clearly hurt on both of those knockdowns. So it was what impressed me was the fact that he was able to get himself together at all. And then, you know, as you said, in an eight rounder, if you're down four points um, going into the third round, you just you have uh, nothing to play with. <laughs> right. So uh, the fact that he was able to keep his poise and knuckle down and uh, and get the job done. I, w- I was quite impressed with that with that outing. That that's uh Yep, he definitely deserves his moment in the Showtime Boxing with Raskin and Mulvaney spotlight. <laughs> yes, the bright, <laughs> bright spotlight that it is. Okay, uh, let's run down the uh, outside the ring boxing news. Uh, we'll start with some fight announcements, but honestly, we're not going to spend any time on any of these because I would not bet a solitary cent on any of these happening on the specified dates. Nonetheless, in the interest of providing information, we will run through them. Um, theoretically, 
Here on Showtime, Clarissa Shields will return to the ring on May 9th against fellow unbeaten 154-pound title holder Marie-Yves Decaire in Flint, Michigan. Um, if the April 18th card, headlined by David Benavidez against Roemar Angulo, goes ahead, two televised supporting bouts have been announced, which are presently slated to be Michelle Rivera versus Marcos Fiasana Jr. and Alberto Pueyo against Radzis Beltomi. And although last week there was growing confidence among a number of reporters that Canelo Alvarez's next opponent would be Billy Joe Saunders, it feels decreasingly probable that that fight will take place on May 2nd. We've spent all these months wondering who Canelo is going to face on Cinco de Mayo weekend, and the odds are nobody. Um, But we shall see, of course. And we still, as we've expressed, we have no idea what the hell's going to happen. Uh... Is there anything for you to react there, apart from a big shrug emoji? I mean, <laughs> well, I, I do have a question: is, is you know, do I still get credit for my great read on the Canelo opponent situation <laughs> if he doesn't have a spring fight? I need, I need mm. to know. Um, mm. <laughs> beyond that, yeah, not much. Um, I guess May is far enough away that we can't right. be totally sure about the state of things at this point. Um, but in the interim, you know, it seems it's dangerous to even ask fighters to train, to spar, to congregate in a gym. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would fully expect all of this to get moved back on the calendar. Uh, next, we have two fairly depressing news items. Uh, one shocking, one not so much. Let's start with the not so much. Adrian Broner was arrested in Miami for DUI on Friday night. <laughs> Yawn. The shocking news uh, was the death of Josie Harris, mother of three of Floyd Mayweather's children. She was found dead in her car outside her home in California on Tuesday night. No cause of death has been indicated yet. Harris was just 40 years of age. Uh, you'll recall that it was Harris's allegations of domestic violence and harassment that led to Mayweather doing jail time in 2011. So uh, very sad story there. Very sad indeed. Um, let's end on on what has been a relentlessly miserable podcast um, on a more positive note. Um, the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame announced its class of 2020 this week, including boxers Fernando Vargas, Clarence Bones Adams, Andre Ward, James Tony, Miguel Cotto, Mark Johnson, Julian Jackson, Azuma Nelson, Danny Little Red Lopez, and Jose Luis Castillo, plus four non-boxers referee Carlos Padilla, uh, Nevada State Athletic Commission commissioners Lorenzo Fertitta and Sammy Macias. And WBC president Jose Suleiman. Uh, so some very good names there, and Jose Suleiman. Um, <laughs> I love the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame. Uh, I was really, you know, which of course our buddy Rich Morata got off the ground, and yep. which I believe Michelle Corrales continues to run. Um, uh, really, something special about that Las Vegas boxing community, and like really some terrific names there. And um, any any of those names really jump out at you? Yeah, for me, the the one that stands out is Fernando Vargas, just because I got to know him fairly well right. during his career, interviewed him many times, uh, once at his house. Uh, I met his wife and kids, always liked him a lot. Uh, and I don't believe he will ever get into the International Boxing Hall of Fame in Canastota, but he was a significant figure in Nevada boxing. That's where many of his biggest fights were. And he still is a significant figure. This hall of fame announcement took place at his gym in Las Vegas. Um, so I- I'm very happy for Fernando. The other one who stands out, uh, and, and I should say these fighters are all deserving. Uh, everyone on the list, uh, seems, seems a fine choice to me, but the other name that jumps out is Jose Luis Castillo, who I think has become underrated. And 
I expect will not get the consideration he deserves mm. for Canastota. His failure to make weight several times in the later stage of his career has clouded a lot that came before, but he was a damn good fighter. The only guy with a case that he beat Floyd Mayweather. Uh, mm-hmm. And he had a lot of good wins. Stevie Johnston, Cesar Bazan, Juan Lascano, Joel Casamayor, Julio Diaz. And of course, he won one of two against Diego Corrales. Very worthy of induction into a regional Hall of Fame, at least. Yeah, and one half of what I will continue to argue to my dying days is certainly the greatest fight I've ever seen and arguably the greatest fight in Las Vegas history and possibly one of the very greatest fights in all of boxing history. Yeah, you are not alone in making that argument. Uh, as, as, as you've said many times, there were, what, like 4,000 people there yep. or something, and yet based on the number of people claiming they were there, it <laughs> must, must be more like 100,000. So, uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, and uh, I wish I were there, but I will uh, admit I was not, and uh, that's why I don't list it as my all-time favorite fight. If I were there, I bet I would. Yeah, you have a couple that I was not at that I would happily have been at though. <laughs> right, Gaddy Ward, and still, honestly, Hamid Kelly. That's I wish I had right. been at Hamid Kelly. Goodness me. Um, all right, that will do it for another edition of Showtime Boxing with Raskin and Mulvaney. We will be back next week. Topics largely to be determined. Um, we do have some ideas that we're going to be running past our superiors. Uh, if you guys have anything you particularly want us to cover. Or if indeed if you have questions for the mailbag, because I suspect we'll have plenty of time for the mailbag, uh, mm-hmm. do let us know uh, via social media. Hashtag AskShowPod. Um, one way or the other, we will be providing you with boxing podcast content next week and in the weeks to come. We will certainly find people interesting to talk to and plenty to talk about. Um, until then, thank you for listening. And please be safe, be kind, be understanding, and most of all, be well. <laughs>